mean, that's the amazing thing. There's so there's so much richness to learn, to yeah. learn, and experience. If you, it's and that's the thing. You have to be willing to get over that fear. Right. You know, just jump it. being here. This has been a much awaited, um, eagerly awaited um, conversation for me. Thank you. Yeah. I was very excited to have you on really mainly just because I, I just find you so interesting. And, um, I find that the wisdom that you bring to conversations is just, um, so valuable and yeah. And so just very excited to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. It's a, yeah. it's a bit daunting thinking about being called having wisdom, but um, thank you. Mm. I've just lived a long time, so I've survived a long time. <laughs> You're an elder. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's funny. I turned 80 this summer mm. and I um I when I turned 70, 70, I've never really, as I said downstairs, I've never really been too worried about birthdays but um 70 was hard because it was like oh the, the math is really easy in 10 years will be 80 and that's old and you know at 70 50 years ago I was already an adult at 20 you know it was just I was just doing all of these simple equations so anyway 70 came and went and the 10 years and then I was 80 and I thought oh well now I'm just old that's fine <laughs> I mean, I'm not, you know, there's no way around it. I'm not in my late 70s. I'm not like young, old. I'm just old. And that's fine. You know, that's yeah. fine. I'm so fortunate to be here. And I mean, not just here, but in the world and and fairly healthy and and very happy in general and family and friends around. And so I feel mostly, well, I just feel very fortunate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's not a bad place to be. Mm. Love it. Yeah, me too. I feel fortunate to sit in this circle with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, would you like to introduce yourself a little bit? Sure. I'm um, I'm Liz Nelson, and I live uh, in this general, I live up the hill from Eleanor and around the corner from Saturn, and I'm probably <laughs> close by. Yeah. And um and so uh, I've lived there for over 50 years in that, well, on the, on the land, I, I came here, I moved here and I bought the property in 64, moved here in 69 with my first husband. And we eventually started a dairy farm and then our marriage ended. And then I continued farming with my second husband, uh, Jeffrey Kinsey. And um, I had three sons with Henry, my first husband, and, um, they all grew up on the farm, and then Jeff died in 2004, and eventually, a few years later, I moved down the hill to the house my mother and father had built, and weren't they had died, and they weren't there, and uh, my oldest son, James, and his wife, Nella, 
bought the farmhouse and the part of the farm. So they are living there and they've made it into a beautiful place of their own. So um, I'm fortunate that all three sons live within a half an hour drive. So that's, you know, every parent's um, dream that their kids won't be too far away. So that's been, that's been lovely. Mm. Um, I'm so besides being a dairy farmer before that I was an I've always been an artist I've always been a painter and I was an art teacher and then I was a dairy farmer for 26 years and then um, I after Jeff died I decided it was wasn't fun anymore farming by myself was too much and so I sold the cows and the machinery and um, eventually got a job at the Old Stone House Museum as a curator of the collection did that for 10 years meanwhile painting and painting and painting and and now that's that is my profession only mm-hmm. an artist so I, I i guess i it you know on forms i say retired but i don't i feel like i'm not retired so because i work pretty intensively with the painting mm-hmm. and the art mm-hmm. and it it's uh it's it's not just sitting in front of a canvas and painting because you have to promote yourself. You have to, you know, document your work. You have to do a little bit of self advertising on media, social media. You got to put your, you got to apply for things. And, and um, the business side of it is, is uh, necessary, but not my favorite part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's most artists' yeah. circumstances. Yeah, <laughs> really. exactly. yeah, yeah, and a lot of carrying paintings here and there, and mm-hmm. you know, it's but it's it's. I just feel amazingly fortunate that I'm working at something I love doing, and people are interested in it, and it's getting for them better. It's a really good thing. Yeah. yeah, I love your artwork. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you. I worked at Claire's and Blackbird. Oh, and yeah, it's just so nice to have the. They've got they hold such a, an, an emotion in them. Oh. Yeah. So you were at both restaurants. Yes. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. 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 So oh. I have some paintings in both of those restaurants mm-hmm. over over the years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. I saw your exhibit at Parker Pie. Uh huh. That was great. Yeah. Yeah. And you're the author of this amazing book. Yeah. Well, I, you, you're. Well, the artist. Yes. And well, I, I mean, I produced the book. I didn't write the words. Well, I wrote some of the words, but um, so way back when I was in graduate school at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, um, I was a friend of a guy and he he was very much into the I Ching so he introduced me to that and I I became very and I really I studied it and I used it and I I used it as a guide some of the time and some of and then then I would not use it quite so much you know it was ebbed and flowed and has since then since the mid-60s can you tell us what I Ching is uh, yes well I Ching is a is a it started it's like three or four thousand years old it was a system of divination in china but then it sort of merged into not just saying you know what the future will be but the way the right way to act the right way to be and um and there's a lot of uh confucian advice from confucius and uh, just wisdom of people doing things and seeing things over the years. And uh, 
and I, and of course it's it's like anything it's like a, like tarot cards or runes or anything I feel in that you you ask first of all you have to formulate the question mm-hmm. so that clarifies mm-hmm. something to yourself and then you do the procedure of the I Ching and there are two or three different ways you can do it the way I do it is using three coins you toss them six times you record heads or tails you know on the three and then that makes a pattern and then there's a graph that shows for the upper trigram and a lower trigram you know there's a little bit of this kind of ritual thing and um and that gives you the hexagram number to read and then there are um what are called so one of the precepts of the Ching is that everything changes and that the the opposite of something is incorporated into the whole thing. So, so you know, when you're happy and on top of the world, just be aware that it's not always going to, it's going to change. And the reverse, when when you're down, it's going to everything is black. It's going to change and become better. Mm-hmm. So, as sort of a, I think it's kind of a, a visual. Uh, it's not it's a symbolic manifestation of that philosophy that when you throw like all heads those heads are called changing lines because they they will change because they can't all be the same if you throw all tails that's a changing line if you throw two heads and a tail or two tails and a head those lines don't change because they have both positive and negative Mm. in in the line so when you throw like three you're throwing these coins and you get a line that has three heads so you read the hexagram that is the first the the original throwing then you read the line that was the changing line and then you recalculate the hexagram to incorporate the opposite of that changing line so it's a totally different hexagram and that so most interpretations are that the first time the first reading is the present and the second change is what's coming, the future. Mm. And yes. the thing, it is neat. And the thing is that it's so, as in anything like this, any oracles, it's it, it's so unspecific. I mean, it's you you can it it's it's um, sometimes enormously unhelpful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I feel that. Uh-huh. But when it is helpful, I feel like it shows, you know, you ask some question and it, what it does is it's like showing a, a light on an issue, a question you have from a different angle and it highlights maybe different things than you, I mean, you know the answer, the answer is in you anyway, right, right. but this, you see it with a different perspective and you say, oh, right, I really shouldn't do that, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever mm-hmm. the question is. Yeah, I feel like yeah. so much of the gift that these kinds of things bring us is an opportunity to sit with our own thoughts and reflect right. and right. get clearer. Yes. You, yeah. you, you information know. comes up when right. I see that, you know. Yeah, you do know you shouldn't take that job, even though it sounds tempting. You know it isn't right for you. Yeah. But you, it's sort of it's sort of helpful to have a, you know, a three 4,000-year-old sage tell you that, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We all need guidance. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, better to come from us though than you know asking outside of us. Mm-hmm. Like, should I take that job? You know, well, to someone else. Yeah, I don't know. I guess. I mean, that's interesting because yeah. that that can also be a way of reflecting and finding yeah. out how you yeah. feel about right. it. Because right. you, you know, yeah. the old the old thing, like so, Jeff would say, well. 
let's go to the movies. Do you want to see movie A or movie B? And I'd say, oh, I don't care. And he'd say, okay, let's see movie B. And I'd say, oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, why didn't you say it? No, I didn't know. Yes. 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 Where do you want to go get dinner? Yeah. Yeah. I don't care. Yes. yes. That's exactly <laughs> that's why the that's the fist of choice. That yeah. Dylan and I play this game of, you know, in one fist is one choice and in the other fist mm-hmm. is the other choice. And... And it's not going to be the permanent answer what you choose. It's just going to give you the information on which one did you actually want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and it's funny how you just don't know it until you're forced with the with not having it. Yeah, yes. yeah, exactly. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm curious if since you said that you had used it for mm-hmm. um, a, like on and off throughout your right. life if you ever did come across a time in which it really impacted the decision that you were making, that you were going in a direction yeah. and you shifted because of. Very subtly. In mm-hmm. that. And there was never one, you know, Oh my God, I can't, or I have to, you know, it was never anything like that. There were, there were, there were, Oh, it's so frustrating because you always get perseverance further, meaning, you know, just keep plugging on. <laughs> <laughs> just wait. But I think it did influence me into, to have patience and to, to, you know, not be make a rash choice. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I didn't make the rash choice a couple of times. And so nothing happened and it was good. Nice. <laughs> yeah. It would have changed a lot if I had. So um, that was good. Sometimes that's the hardest thing is like knowing, do nothing (laughs) because then nothing happens. And it's like, you know, we don't suffer the consequences when we're patient and wait. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. I just want to tell our listeners the name of your book is I Ching or Book of Changes, Symbolic Landscapes. Mm -hmm. So the, 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 reason I, well, I actually throwing the I Ching had something to do with actually making this book. So uh, I think it was 2015, something like that. I, I, I paint usually in series. You know, I do explore some aesthetic idea or premise or a method or any number of things. And, and you know, you come to the end of that. And so I was at the end of something, of what I was doing. I mean, it wasn't, I just kind of ran out of gas with that particular approach. So I said, well, what should I do? And um, so I was, didn't know. And so, oh, I'll ask the I Ching. So I threw the coins and said, what direction should my painting take? And it came up number two, which is, which is the all, so number, the first hexagram is all uh, yang, all positive. And it's the, you know, it's like, Vaguely, it's sort of male. It's gang. It's you mm-hmm. know creative force, and and yet the number two is the opposite. It's the female creative. Um, and so I read it, and I thought, well, that's not much help. <laughs> and I went to bed, and um, the next morning I woke up. It was in January. I woke up, and of course it's dark for a long time. I woke up at five o'clock and looked out the window and the moon was setting across down over the the snowy pasture and mm. I said oh that's the answer I'll do I'll I'll paint 64 hexagrams mm. and um 
and I'm not going to, you know, and then I thought, well, if I'm going to do a series, I should figure out the format before I get into this. So I figured out that they would be 20 by 20. They'd be oil, square. And then I thought, how will I decide which to paint? Well, I'll throw, I'll throw the coins each time and I'll paint whatever I get. And if I've already painted it, I'll just throw it another time. So that that's what I did. So I didn't paint them, you know, one, two, three, four. I just painted them randomly how they came up by chance. And so it took five or six years to do this series because I didn't do them one after another. I did them, you know, I might do, I, might, I think I did maybe five at this first impetus. And then I was doing some other kind of painting or something else. You know, I, I just... It just took, I just took my time with it. There was no, there was no hurry. And, um, I, and then about, oh, a third of the way through, I thought, well, I'm really committed to this. I better get all of the panels because for sure the manufacturers will stop making them and I'll have to have them custom made, you know, and it'll cost a fortune. So I did. I got, so I was really committed because I had, you know, this stack of 64 panels wow. to do. So that was, that was sort of a good, good, uh, you know, well, you're really committed to this project. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So where did you get the, I mean, I guess I know where you got the inspiration for the number two painting, uh-huh. but so I throw the coins yeah. and it would come up whatever and whatever a hexagram. I actually didn't use this translation. That's, that's a whole other story. I used um, uh, the Bollinger edition, which is Princeton University Press. And it has a wonderful, it's a translation. It's terrible. I can't. It's a, it's some, some, a, a, a German man translated the I Ching and then someone translated the German version of his translation. Mm-hmm. And it has a wonderful preface by Jung, Carl Jung. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I mean, this, the, the, this book was published in the 50s. So um, anyway, so I used, I used that. And uh, where, where was I going? So I would uh, just read what the, so each, each, Hexagram has a prediction, well, it has the message, mm-hmm. and then it has an image. It, mm-hmm. it writes an image, you know, mm-hmm. a visual image. So I would read that and I'd think about it and let it let it be in my mind. And sometimes an image would come right up uh, right away. Right. Sometimes it wouldn't. I would start making little sketches and start painting and gradually something would just sort of meditate on on what the meaning of this hexagram was. Oh. Or sometimes I would use a line that, that was that I felt was particularly, you know, was part of this hexagram and that was really very visual for me. So they, mm. so each, you know, and because it was random, I did, didn't do it in any sequence. So over those five years, my painting style changed somewhat. I had different things. So so it was kind of like a mini retrospective. Wow, <laughs> neat. Because yeah, all these different styles. Um, and so the morning when you woke up and saw the moon, I mean, so the painting for number two is the moon yeah, over there. Yeah, that one, yes. That's where yeah. the motivation came and from. Then, um, and then uh, the the red square, who knows where that came from. I, I love just, it. Because yeah. many of them have sort of weird geometrical geometric shapes mm-hmm. in them. And... Um, that somebody said about one of the why do you have this this white uh uh 
trapezoid in it. So I don't know. <laughs> it seemed the right thing for yeah. this painting. So uh, anyway, uh, so I, I really, I enjoyed doing them. And then um, I, uh, Highland Center for the Arts was being built and was opening up. And I knew the two women that were doing, were the curators that first year. And we had a, a Caspian Arts had a show. And then I had told, been telling them about this. It's said, oh, would you like to have a show of that work? So I had was able to have all 64 paintings hanging in oh. one space. And um, it was a bear of a show for them to hang. It's really, speaking as a curator, it's how many shows, very hard to hang paintings that are the same and you want them all to be level and mm. even as it's, it's hard. <laughs> so, anyway, wow. so they did a good job. So uh, then some person told a man named Brian Arnold about the show. I mean, I don't know how he heard about it. He lives in Massachusetts. Mm. And he said, that's, oh, that's, that's your pond. That's my pond. Yes, <gasps> oh, my gosh. Look at that. that. I knew as soon as I saw the picture. Yeah, number pond. 47. Hmm. I'm going to have to read that one. <laughs> so he was, he emailed me and he said he had done his own translation of the I Ching and it was an app on the phone or in the iPad and he would like to buy a license, he would like to license the use of my images to put on his app. Whoa. So he said, I'll send you the app so you can see what it is and what the translations are like. So I, I looked at it. I mean, they they he sent me a free you know link to it if you have to buy it usually, and uh, so I wrote back and said, well, is there just I don't really know what I'm doing with this yet, so I'll you know I can't decide right now. So I for, it took me a year to think. I just you know I just I didn't know, but you know I know this person and sending this out until was it going to be you know pirated? I just didn't have any idea. Totally. But finally, I, I was talking to a couple of friends of mine who are more savvy in the world of video and stuff. And they said, oh, do it. That's great. It's a great opportunity. So I did. Well, and he paid me some money for the use of it and did a beautiful job. Um, I can show you on my phone downstairs. So that was good. Mm-hmm. And then what's the, I, of, what's the name of the app? It's called Yi Jing, Y-I, and then the other word, J-I-N-G. Mm-hmm. And it's it's very good. So anyway, so then during the pandemic, I thought, well, I'm I'm probably never going to have another chance to show these paintings all together. I mean, realistically, you know, I mean, I've shown them other places, but, you know, maybe 12 of them or something. Mm -hmm. So I'll make I'll make a book. I'll make my own book. And I got uh, I asked uh, Natalie Hormilla if she would be the editor. She's, you know, her. Mm -hmm. You must know her. And so she did, and we was, felt like it felt like it was a, they were drug deals because I, <laughs> I'd be putting information in her mailbox, you know, <laughs> because our both of our internet connections were slow, and exchanging you know flash drives. I made the drop. That so first, that was the first year of COVID, so where people were really scared, and there's no vaccine, and you have three little kids, and mm-hmm. you know, the whole thing. And and I'm old, so I didn't want to get it either. So mm-hmm. right. anyway, uh, so it worked. And oh, but before I did it, I thought, well, I, it would be really hard to get copyright release from the Bollinger Press at Princeton. So I wrote Brian, and I said, 
I'm going to make a book. Can I use your words? Mm. And would you, you know, is there, would there be a fee for it? And, and so he wrote back and said, oh, no, use it. And then about two days later, I got another email saying, well, what are your plans? For <laughs> and I could, just, I could just see him sitting at the kitchen table with his, you know, his wife. His wife saying, well, Brian, what is she, maybe she's going to publish 40,000 copies. You right. know, you know, what's going on? Maybe there's some money in it. So I, he said, well, what are your plans? So I said, well, I hope to recoup my expenses. <laughs> I yeah. really don't think it's going to be a bestseller. But if it is, you know, I'll pay you a couple of dollars for each copy sold, you know, over, over the expenses. He said, oh, that's fine. Mm-hmm. So, and I haven't done that yet. So, yeah. 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 When did this book get published? Uh, twenty. One, I think. 21. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Congratulations. Yeah. I know. I was yeah. just thinking how cool it would be for these to be a deck, too. Yeah. That could oh, call. Yes. Oh, that would be really cool. With the, yeah. with the, um, with the, the information on the back. Of yeah. It. Or in a little book. Or it. a little pamphlet. Like a little. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a great idea. Mm-hmm. I would... I would absolutely would buy those. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it, would be, it would be expensive to produce. Yeah. That's a thing. So many, you know, 64 color images would be hard. Right. Mm. Totally. Wow. But, yeah. Anyway. Well, I'm curious about your journey into art. Me oh. too. Yeah? Yes. <laughs> when did that, did, have you always been artistic? Yeah, I was always in, I was fine. And I was painting six or seven or eight, you know, that was what I did a lot. And then uh, I, can, I can remember my dad from work brought home some formal invitations. I don't know what they were, but they were, they were, they had a border embossed. And then the information was like a wedding invitation, but it was for, a, you know, a, somebody's promotion or something. But the back side of it, it was like this wonderful little white heart, you know, stiff paper with, I was probably five or six and, and with a border white, you know, it was just perfect. And I, I had a set of watercolors and I just remember just to make the pleasure of the color, making really strong colors on this, mm. these little framed pieces of hard paper. Mm. It was, I just, it was just. And then they took me, I lived in New York City, they took me to a show at the Metropolitan Museum of Art at Vincent Van Gogh. And that was like, that was really mm. fantastic. How old yeah. are you when that I happened? Was eight. I yeah. Think. Yeah. Wow. So that was really, that was a really mind-blowing. You have to remember, there was no TV. Yeah. You know, and this, and, and uh, I think I've maybe been to one or two movies. So, you mm-hmm. know, it was, our, our world was quite a bit smaller. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there were books, and, and you know, but that was the impact is different mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, and then I just, uh, you know, just sort of went in that direction and um, decided I I wanted to go to art school. I mean, when I went to co- you know, go to college and major in art or go to art school, mm-hmm. and um, I apply. I went to I looked into Rhode Island School of Design and applied there. And uh, got in, and in those days, they so we you know did the thing of you go up and you interview and all of that thing. And I went to four or five other colleges, and I really was I went to, to Wellesley, and so I remember walking up in my little Peter Pan collar and circle pin, <laughs> and 
and because uh, this was like in the late 50s and um these towering elms and the gothic gray stone granite buildings it's quite intimidating yeah. and sat down and the admissions person woman said well tell me what can you do for wellesley <laughs> well, what was your answer i, 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 I said i i don't know <laughs> but we stumbled through the rest of the conversation and i didn't apply there i thought i yeah. I think I can do anything for this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. So anyway, I've got, uh, was and, at, at that point, RISD was accepting people on a rolling basis. So if you applied in November, you'd know in December. Mm-hmm. And they said, you know, it's a good idea to apply. If you're sure you'd like to come here, apply early because by April, we're looking for Leonardo da Vinci, but we're a little more welcoming <laughs> earlier. <laughs> so... So that's so I went there and I loved it. I really loved it. Mm. And uh, then I uh, ended up falling in love and marrying somebody and going to Guatemala for a year. And then then we moved up. Then we went to graduate school at U- University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. And I went in art and uh, to, with the idea of teaching because one has to make a living. Mm-hmm. So I did that for two years in the Boston area, taught and then we decided to move up here. Mm. And then here, I, I was pretty busy homesteading and carpentering and having a garden and all of that. But eventually, I got teaching and social work type jobs here and there. And then, yeah. and meanwhile, he got a job, so we had enough money to live on. We had, How did that turn into dairy farming? Well, we both, we were part of that back to the land, but we weren't, mm-hmm. we weren't in a commune or anything, but we, we just had, we were part of that upswell of a better, simpler life that wasn't, you know, urban. Yeah. And uh, so first, so we, we want, we were interested in agriculture of some sort. And so we started with sheep because that's manageable. You know, they're small and you don't have to <laughs> milk them twice a day, you know, and everything. But it was, it was, so we ended up with a flock of 120 sheep, but we realized it was it was just economically not viable. Mm-hmm. You know, it just didn't. I mean, the only wool was the same price as it had been in 1948, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, 25 years later, and and it, and I kind of once we got into it, I really really didn't like raising animals for the sole purpose of slaughtering them when they were four months old. Mm. The lambs. Mm, yeah. Yeah. It just yeah. was yeah. Hard. right on the heart. Yeah. Yeah. Not, yeah. not even that they're cute or anything mm. else. And I like lamb. I just didn't want to be the one to be doing this. So, mm-hmm. And it wasn't profitable. So right. um, that was, so then and meanwhile, he, my husband had a, another job that supported us, but then we decided, well, let's, let's try dairy farming because there's a, there's an infrastructure for it. And meanwhile, we had built a barn for the sheep. So we converted it to be for the cows. And mm-hmm. we started out with 20 cows. And, and uh, by the time I, when I sold the farm, it was, we, Jeff and I were milking about 150 cows. And wow. Had 300 all together, 300 cows on the farm. So it wow. grew and mm-hmm. it did support us. That was, it was a good, it was a successful farm. And, uh, Huh. which is not always the case it's yeah, hard it's really so hard. hard to make a go of it mm-hmm. yeah but um we worked hard and we were lucky we had 
one full-time, one part-time person helping us. And that was, that really made a difference. Then you're not trapped. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was, it was a good life. I think a lot about art with the connection to earth and it like, you know, farming is so connected to, mm-hmm. you know, the earth. Right. And I'm, I guess I'm curious how did, was there any like connection in farming for you as an artist? Like, do you feel like there was any outlet there for you or like way to express yourself in that, in that work? Well, I like the physicality of it. Mm-hmm. I, and I, um, found it and I, I really like teaching art but that it used up all of the part of my brain and soul that was for painting mm. it was, was mm. kind of very similar so when I started farming that that was now unencumbered yeah <laughs> so so really they were able to it was it was a good parallel thing mm. I didn't you know I I can't say that one influence the other I never painted cows or barns, <laughs> that's my next know? question <laughs> did you ever paint cows <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it was kind of yeah but it was but it was very satisfying so mm-hmm. you know I was a happy yeah. person doing what I was doing and uh with the farming and then and, the, and it was harder to find time when of course when the children were small as you know mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. usually the case and uh because I was farming and I had little kids and I at one point I I remember thinking if I can do one thing in a day that isn't child center on the head but you know that when in retrospect that's really not a very long period of time it seems forever but it isn't I remember a friend saying uh, well the first five years seems like 10 and the ten, second 10 years seemed like five. Mm. And then they're teenagers and all bets are off. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. um, but that it was actually pretty true. So they, yeah. and they all helped on the farm and liked to enjoy it. And were good, good help. So, um, it, you know, I mean, we had, certainly had its ups and downs, but it was yeah. basically a good, I think it was a good environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, no, I don't think that it informed my art directly, just gave space for it. Space for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, the winter is less busy and there's in the summer, finally, I just decided I'm not going to try to paint in the summer. There's too, mm-hmm. too much happening. Mm-hmm. And that was good to take that pressure off. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, I applied for shows and got shows and sold work and, you know, on a very modest level, but I kept my hand in, so mm. kept developing and changing what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm hampered by geography that where I live is so far from everything. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's just I'm accepted that now. Yeah, yeah. we take that with the other yeah. amazing yeah. things, the trade-off that we all made. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Hey, everyone. It's Saturn, and I am so excited to invite you to join the Living Remembrance Retreat that I'm hosting April 21st through the 25th. Living Remembrance is a four-night, five-day immersion I've created for families with children under the age of six based on the teachings shared in Michelin Duclef's book, Hunt, Gather, Parent, What Ancient Cultures Can Teach Us About Raising Happy, Helpful Children. 
Nestled in the beautiful jungle of Nayarit, Mexico, along the Pacific Ocean, we will come together to remember what it feels like to live in tune with the laws of nature, to play as part of a community, and to hear the calling of our own hearts. Through free expression and felt safety, your children will see themselves as a part of the whole. Parents will have time to connect with one another, practice mindfulness, and loosen the reins that the pressures of society have placed on us. Do you feel the call? Do you know that there are other parents out there just like you who believe there is a better way? This is your invitation to step more fully into the life you want for your family and to reclaim the harmony and power of parenthood. To learn more, go to rebirthcare.com forward slash living remembrance. Rebirth is spelt R-E-B. E-A-R-T-H, rebirthcare.com forward slash living remembrance. See you in the jungle. You and I have had a number of conversations um, around your work and especially the work that you did when you were in Iceland. Mm And I remember you talking so much about the dance that you were, you had with the materials and um, listening to you talking about how when you were younger and you had that moment mm-hmm. of such pleasure um, with the watercolors on that card, I'm just curious to know whether or not you felt like it was mostly just such a pleasurable thing for you um, or if it ever felt stressful, hard. Oh, it's like, always stressful. <laughs> yeah, okay. Because you're making, you know, you, it's, but yes, and it's, it's, Actually, it's been interesting talking about this to put put that card at seven or whatever five, but however old I was to to you know link them together with the Iceland painting. So the Iceland painting she's referring to is in 2015. I went to Scotland with a girlfriend and we stopped in Iceland for a week. You can do that, you know, mm-hmm. and. It was, I was just, I just fell in love with the geography and the light and everything. I thought, I have to come back as a, not as a tourist, as something. So I, I applied for a residency in 2017. I found out how to do this and found a place. And uh, so it's a, it's a residency sponsored by the Icelandic Artists Association. And they have, uh, they have two big buildings. They have this they have two big buildings, three big buildings in Reykjavik. And one of the buildings is huge and it's four stories and it has, it's filled with artist studios of Icelandic artists, except one floor, which has about 10 bedrooms and maybe eight studios and a communal living, you know, kitchen, living room, bathroom thing is where the residency is. So, so you go for a month. And there's no particular dictate about what you have to do. You know, you could, you could, and, and at the end of the month, there's a group show in their other building in the another part of town. And you could put up a little piece of paper saying, I couldn't do anything. I was just, uh, you know, so awed by the scenery. You know, it would be okay. You know? Yeah. But, but so, so I went and I, I mean, this age thing, I, I, I remember walking in to the communal living room carrying my suitcases 
and uh, and there were four or five people sitting around the table, and we all introduced each other. And and so these are artists from everybody. Of course, had their own bedroom and their own, and usually a couple of I shared a studio with two other people, but some of them had separate studios. And every every visual art discipline was represented, and the only common thing was everybody had to be able to speak at least some English. Mm. So that was, and everybody, most Icelanders speak English. So mm-hmm. that made it quite pleasant and easy because Icelandic is very hard to learn. Yeah. Mm. So, um, you know, I, I could see going across people's foreheads. What is this old lady doing here? <laughs> <laughs> but, Polite. It was nice. Were you the and, oldest one? There? Oh yeah. I mean, there was somebody who was twenty three, and most people were in there somewhere between twenty three and fifty, and then yeah. there was me. And um, fortunately, I was you know physically capable of going up four flights of stairs and you know keeping up with them. And but they were wonderful, and we all became good friends. And you know, it was there was no like shunning or yeah you know it was wonderful it was great and that so that was that in itself was a fantastic Mm. thing to have this you know 12 new friends well not all of them are from you know just just this really stimulating thing we didn't sit around talk about art particularly it was just that it was just a great time you know it was fun we we each had our cubby hole for our groceries and Mm. a shelf of a refrigerator and um, we didn't cook together, but if you happened to cook, your somebody else was, you know, you'd eat together if you cooked at the same time. Sometimes we had group meals, but it was pretty, I mean, it was just totally mm. easy. And there was a, you know, there was a schedule about who cleaned what, and that all got done. Most people were pretty neat in the kitchen. You know, it really worked really well. well. And then the great unifier was, <laughs> so... Alcohol is very expensive in Reykjavik, well, all of Iceland, but the bars in town all had, it was wonderful music everywhere, both classical and pop and folk, you know, any kind of music you wanted, there was wonderful music. And so the bars would have happy hours and which would put a couple of types of beer and wine at what we would pay, you know. (laughs) Instead of double, which was the usual. Wow. So we would we would go to the happy hours and you know hear the music and it was a great bonding, you know, yeah. and it's terrible, completely safe city to walk around. I'd walk home from by myself at 10 o'clock and not oh. give a thought to it. You know, it's lovely, lovely yeah. freedom. And we would rent we a couple of times we rented cars and went on trips out of the city into the glorious countryside. And then at both and then I so then I went the next year. I decide okay I'm gonna give this another whirl and I was kind of apprehensive because maybe it's not gonna you know you have a wonderful meal at a restaurant you go back and it's not so good but it was again a wonderful experience totally different group of people just as friendly just as accepting it was lovely the whole thing yeah so anyway about the art so I went I brought my materials and uh, the, really the first two or three days was one of these little jaunts out of the city with a rented car. And I took a lot of photos and saw the landscape and came back and just made a painting. 
and put it up in my, the wall of my studio and looked at it and went, and I thought, oh, I'll sleep on this. I came back in the morning and looked, oh, my God, that is a boring painting. <laughs> <laughs> but there was this one little part that was, when I looked at it, there was one little part that was pretty cool. So I thought, hmm, I'm going to go with this. And what that this was, was I had brought this paper called Yupo, which is... Um, it's really a plastic paper. I had to bring my own materials. I wanted stuff that was tough. I didn't want to do oils because that would be a drag to deal mm-hmm. with. So it was all acrylic and this Yupo paper, which is very smooth and and doesn't absorb water or anything, but it's permanent when something dries on it. So I... So I did another painting with this Yupo and I, I uh, replicated what this interesting section was, which was watered down paint, watered down acrylic paint. So it was very fluid. So I worked, worked flat and did the painting and went off to have lunch or something and came back in the afternoon and it had, it had changed. It had dried in an interesting way and these shapes were coming out of it and these forms so then I did another layer on it. You know, I once it was dry, it was permanent. So then I could do another layer on it and build up and up. And it was like, oh my God, this is this is wonderful. It's like the paper and the paint and I are working together. It's mm. not me saying, mm. I'm going to paint this house and tree. You know, mm. it was telling me what to, to do. Wow. Or not telling me, but, you know, helping me. Yeah. In, in this effort. It was a collaboration. Yes, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Wow. So it was that was quite so it was like Christmas morning, you know, every every yeah. you know sneak back in to see what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cool. yeah. Yeah. Have you worked with that since? Yeah, that's yeah. Although meantime I was doing these Z Ching paintings, which are totally different. Mm-hmm. They're oil mm-hmm. on board, you know, on an easel, the standard what you think of painting is mm-hmm. and so that was kind of interesting to have that going back and forth although there are some paintings in there that are influenced by that Icelandic mm-hmm. style of painting wow so um anyway it's mean and I and actually I just recently well not recent last year made a painting a big Iceland painting but it's a realistic landscape and it, it was it was it was um exciting to paint because again it kind of I really was in the you know sometimes you get in the zone and I was just Mm -hmm. I just did it it was like coming through me onto the onto the board onto the panel it was a wonderful experience so that's what you hope for doesn't always happen Mm -hmm. it's exciting when it does it's interesting listening to you because I feel like there's so much um there's so many experiences you've had where you had a sense of fear going into it. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like the art carries you through that fear or is like a support for you getting through that fear. And I'm also, and I'm also like thinking about how, you know, art for a lot of artists can help them get through hardships Mm -hmm. in different ways. And has that been, you know, a part of your journney in any way? Has your art? Yeah. some ups and downs and and this has always been the constant yeah yeah so um you can always go to your studio right uh, and um, sometimes you throw away what you made because it isn't any good but but it's still you it's doing so I mean as I've said before I like I like making things I like mm-hmm. uh, physically interacting with whatever it is that I I'm trying to do so um 
it um it is it is a, a yeah I mean it's therapy and a solace and a mm-hmm. and a exciting and interesting all of those things frustrating yeah, yeah. <laughs> a way to express yeah yeah well just a little bit ago you you were saying that sometimes you get in the zone and it just kind of flows through you do you ever feel like it isn't even yours oh yeah yeah right yeah Mm -hmm. it's it's wonderful or it isn't anybody you know it isn't it isn't the property of any thing or person it just becomes itself and that that's very exciting when that happens sometimes I feel like that's how you know when you're like doing what's meant what you're meant to be doing when you feel like it is just flowing through you Mm -hmm. and you are just a a channel right and I think yeah I've certainly heard musicians talk about that and Mm -hmm. athletes you know that whole thing of just being in the moment Mm -hmm. you're just one with everything it's it's great yeah. yeah, but you can't make it happen. That's the problem. Right. <laughs> Often it could. Have you had any that came to you in your dreams? Of those of these paintings yeah. or anything? No. No. I mean, I maybe I don't. I've 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 done just recently put a pad of paper or notebook by my bed, thinking I should try to mm. you know try to keep a dream journal. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah, because yeah. mm-hmm. I understand that if you if you do that. <clears throat> if you start doing it, you kind of get used to it and you're more able to record, remember, remember and stuff. Yeah, yes. totally. Yeah. yeah, eventually you'll be able to look down at your watch and see what time it is. <laughs> in the dream. In the dream. <laughs> yeah, that's oh, like the lucid dream. Lucid dream. Yeah, looking down at your watch. Nowadays it would be looking at your phone. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. In your dream. Yeah. 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 That would be depressing. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> I'm having a lucid dream of my iPhone. <laughs> Yes, you can throw it away. You yeah. can, you yeah. can yeah. change it suddenly and yeah. morph it into a better clock. Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I remember when I was a child, my stepfather taught me the lucid dream without knowing that that's what he was teaching oh. me because I had nightmares. Oh, and I would go in their bedroom in the middle of the night crying until I was like almost a teenager and he just kind of got tired of it. He was like, okay, you've got to stop coming in here crying. Mm-hmm. And he told me, he like took this stick that they used to prop the window open and was like, just hit him with this. And I was like, what? And he's like, okay, okay, just sit down. And I was like, all right. And he told me, there's always the you in your dream. Mm-hmm. And then there's the you that is watching your dream. And I was a kid and I remember being like, okay. He was like, and the you that's up above your dream watching can change anything in your dream. And I was like, all right. And I always would find that me in nightmares mm-hmm. from then on. Uh-huh. And that me would be able to come in and change the circumstances of my dream. And so as a child, I was lucid dreaming all of the time, mostly because I had so many nightmares and it would, and I would always go to the same place. It would be this like candy house in the middle of the forest. And I would be enjoying the candy house with this slight fear of knowing that it was too good to be true. And then the witch would come out of the house and I'd wake up. But it was always so powerful. And as an adult, I've really enjoyed that skill. Have you been able, you use it now? Yeah. I hope you don't have nightmares anymore. No, it's not so much nightmare oriented, but it is a really beautiful thing. And it's a practice. So sometimes I fall Mm -hmm. out of it, but it like, you know, being able to return to it. Right. Yeah. I 
love I love it, but I love the sensation when you're having one of those anxiety dreams when you know I can't find the car keys, you know, something something like that. And so much depends on get, you know, (laughs) the step to get done what you know, everything. And then you kind of gradually, oh, this is a dream. Yeah, (laughs) such a relief. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that happened to me this morning. I was like, oh, but I, I really got to see this through. I got to see this through. I know it's a dream, but I got to see this yeah. through. Oh, did you? I did. I like couldn't wake up until I saw it through. Yeah. Really or you did something terrible in a dream, and then you wake up and you're like, oh, thank God. <laughs> That's it. Uh, but it's also scary if something terrible happens yeah. to somebody else that you love and you wake up and you think, oh, my God, is this an omen? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. And fortunately, it's never happened. So, I have dreamt things awful. to fruition before, yeah. too. Yeah. But fortunately, yeah. nothing, nothing, nothing yeah. too, too bad. Right. Um, yeah. I have a question about art as a teacher. And if there's been one or two really valuable teachings that you've downloaded as a painter that have kind of like been a guiding force in your life. No. No. I mean, I, I read lots of things, writings, journals, memoirs about and by artists. Yeah. And always have. I can't tell. There's an artist named Anne Truitt that wrote two or three books that were very good. She was um, a sculptor and she wrote very, um, very clearly and and uh, brilliantly about her art process, and which is different than mine. But it's just always interesting to read other people's uh, methods. And um I don't know. I have a thing on my computer of art quotes that I sometimes copy and paste there just to review every so often. So, uh, no, I can't think of any single astonishing thing. When when I was a freshman at RISD, we had to read um, we had to read Igor Stravinsky's small book that was written by him, I guess. And I do remember one thing from that where he talked about a blank page is the most terrifying thing. Mm. You know, make a mark on it and then you can go forward. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought, mm-hmm. and by, by, by extension, that thought of sometimes limitations are good because mm-hmm. they help you, you know, formulate what you want mm-hmm. to put down. Right. And uh, so that was uh, something I remembered for yeah. a long time. Yeah. 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 I found that in redesigning our house. I'd much rather take an old house and mm-hmm. <laughs> redesign it than have a blank oh, slate. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's very hard. Yeah. Yeah. So you use acrylic oil. Any other mediums? Well, I, have, I have, but right now those pretty much those I use. Yeah. And I use some collage elements. Yeah. And do you sand down layers and Sometimes. then add more layers? Sometimes. Yeah. 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 Jesse's also an artist. Yeah. A painter. I'm in the little kid phase. Yes. Yeah. And I'm wondering, does anything. it come back? It does. Do I still know how to do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. I mean, it's hard, but it, and you know, meanwhile, you're growing and maturing and mm-hmm. seeing, you know, always seeing. And seeing so, differently. Yeah. 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 But isn't there so much freedom in just like 
painting. I mean, it's interesting to, you know, call ourselves artists. And I was referring to this the other day because, and I think even in a podcast we were talking about, I've been writing poetry lately and I found myself feeling limited in writing poetry because I don't know all of the, mm-hmm. the, the stuff the rules and all of the things about writing poetry. And I almost like stopped writing poetry because I didn't know how to write a proper poem. And it's, you know, I guess I'm speaking to our listeners in this, in this way of just, you know, painting doesn't necessarily have to have any specific form or, you know, it can be an outlet of expression, even if it's just like picking up paint and trying something for the first time, Mm -hmm. even if you didn't learn how to paint at art school or, you know, it's just like, there's so much freedom and, and, um, and just expression and what you can create, just putting a paintbrush to a canvas or piece of paper. It's true. Almost true. It's true, but it's not the whole story because I think that, um, you, I would, I don't know anything about music, so I'm going to go there, but it's writing mm-hmm. and painting. I think the more you do it, the better you are. I think it's just, you just have to keep doing it. Right. And uh, Yeah, I was going to say, one of my friends who went to school for art, and I, I had only taken one painting class and was mm-hmm. off doing paintings, and he came over and was like, oh, you know, you're Blacks. If you if you add this to your mixing your blacks, mm-hmm. it provides so much more depth. And like he's giving me little tips along the way, and I start to and I'm just like, oh, good, you know. So yeah. like the knowledge, yeah. of, but it's just it's really the doing. The I doing, mean, you yeah. would have eventually probably discovered that yourself. Yeah, I mean the thing. The, the thing about going to formal education is that you get some of these tips, tips ahead of time. <laughs> right. On the other hand, sometimes it can it can um, destroy part of your, right, you know, spirit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you've got a couple of bad teachers or you have, you know, I mean, a lot of stuff can, but I think you just have to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, it's not very exciting advice, but it's but just going to keep doing it. Comes it comes back like to perseverance. Perseverance. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Full circle. Yeah. And hopefully you're, you end up, realizing you're doing this because you want to do it you're not doing it for an audience you're not doing it I mean the world does not need another painter but but you're doing it because it's something that is needed really and I think that's so much of like what we what we miss in our in our current state of of the world is is we feel there's so much that we have to do just to kind of stay afloat that it's hard to to do things just because we want to, and it's even hard to know what we want to do until we try it. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think it's really just in like, try new things. If you've never taken a paintbrush to a piece of paper, but you felt the call, try it and stick with it. If it feels good. I uh, took a, I, I had, um, I just wanted, I wanted to do something. I know I had signed up for and put a deposit down for a trip with, um, elder well was a uh, road scholar and then I decided no I didn't want to do that but I couldn't get the deposit back but I could use it toward another something so they had a craft program down in near Northampton Massachusetts for a week of of glass making not stained glass but making you know molten glass Ooh. things not and not blowing glass just so I thought oh that so I did that 
It was so much. I so enjoyed it. And I thought it's so great to be doing something where I don't have to make a career of this. I don't have to get better at it. I don't have to, I can just do it because I'm enjoying it. And it was, it was great. So it's good to do things like that, you know, take a, you know, a a class and something that you. For no other purpose. No other purpose than just learning about it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then being able to say, well, you know, I might never do this again, but that was a, that was a great thing to do. Yeah. 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 I mean that's the amazing thing. There's so there's so much richness to learn, to yeah. learn and experience. If you it's and that's the thing you have to be willing to get over that fear. Right. You know, just jump in. Like my fear going up those four flights of stairs in Reykjavik and <laughs> who is that old lady? <laughs> yeah. Because you know I'm I'm old and you know I just didn't know how this was going to go over but it was it turned out to be a not to worry yeah situation yeah. and thanks to them you know, yeah and your bravery well yeah I did you know, <laughs> again I just go ahead and do it yeah yeah. Right. yeah yeah and have you had that most of your life like you went to Guatemala mm-hmm. right uh-huh. off well I, I went because I was married and my husband was in this program but yes I, joined oh, that. So I had to, went there for a purpose yes yeah I did no it wasn't just a mm-hmm. it was a community development program but um I I never thought of myself as brave particularly mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I am willing to try things I guess so yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I love that because, because that's, that's really almost all that it really takes is just, you know, a willingness to try things Mm -hmm. Um, that can push you into bravery really easily. Then you're in the situation. (laughs) Yeah. To get through it. Yes. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, But signing up for something. Yeah. It's like a little bravery. Yeah. Yeah. Go to another country. Yeah. Yeah. It's also like taking time to acknowledge your own, you know, um, strengths, strengths mm-hmm. and yeah, and I mean, a lot of us don't right. do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And particularly when you live alone, there's nobody to, you know, reflect that back and say, "Well, was that was you know?" Well, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. friends and family do, but you mm-hmm. know, it just is not quite such a guaranteed. Uh, reaction so. yeah well I hope you leave this conversation with that reflection thank you yes. yeah I see this brave me too yeah mm-hmm. yeah thank I you. hope when I'm 80 I want to go to Iceland and participate yeah. in something so amazing and, yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 well what you know sometimes I think well what's the worst that can happen Right. When, you, when you go to do you know you're thinking about doing something well, what's the worst that can happen and I do try to Think of what is the worst. Well, you could die. Well, you could die here too. You know, you could get sick. Well, I have good hospitals. You know, I mean, there's all of that. What What else is worse than that? Not much. Like, except if something bad happened at home and then I could fly home. But, you know, it's... So if you yeah. think, if you get that stuff out of the way and you, you say, well, I could cope with that, mm-hmm. then, then, then you can go ahead and do it. Yeah, we talk a lot about going outside of your comfort zone on this yeah. podcast and yeah. just how much growth and expansion and richness oh, there is yeah. in that yeah. space mm-hmm. and yes. how important it is. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just like constantly kind of encouraging anyone that's listening to this conversation to just do more of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very yeah, nice. It's easier when you have 
support. Yeah. Like a, a network of people. Yes. And and I do. Mm-hmm. I don't mean to be crying on my violin. No, we all have space <laughs> for yeah. that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that makes it easier to go out and do something. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I mm-hmm. it's just, I just have to consider myself. Yeah. So. But is that a big transition for you? When living on your own? Oh, yeah. 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 I never, I never had. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was married the first time at 20. And, um, well, I was almost 21. But, you mm-hmm. know, it was pretty. And then was always living with somebody until Jeff died. And then mm-hmm. I was alone. So it was, it was hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I missed it. So it, was, it wasn't just hard. I was grieving, too. Still, yeah. still am in the way. But, yeah, um, uh, it is something that couldn't be changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And did that impact your art? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was, I kind of made myself start painting, you know, not right away, maybe three or four months after he died. I said, because I was still running the farm and I didn't have any time. But then, then I had the auction, sold the cows and the machinery. So then, then I had, you know, empty space for the rest of my life in front of me. So that was yeah. daunting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got to work in the studio. And, wow. And, uh, and I know I applied for, uh, I, had, I had successfully done an art in the state buildings project for the Derby Police Barracks for four big paintings of, of Vermont scenes. So there was another one coming up very similar to it, another another request for entries for the state police barracks in Royalton. So I thought, well, I might as well. So I did and I got it. So that was good. I had this project, mm. that I, you know, it's good. I find I work, it's good to have a deadline or a, an external mm-hmm. impetus as well as my own. It's really, it's really hard to motivate yourself sometime to keep working. Yeah. So it's helpful to have a deadline or, or a commission or some something that's waiting for you to get it done you know mm-hmm. so yeah yeah so do you still find joy in your in your work yes yeah I do I do yeah and have you found joy in living alone yeah I I do I like it most mostly I mean there yeah. but everybody's lonely at times yeah. no matter how many even if you have a toddler running around your right. house yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and a loving husband you're still yeah. really lonely you know yeah, exactly. it just it's uh it's just part of our human condition and it does make you i i hope it makes me attentive to other people who are alone mm-hmm. and lonely could be lonely or are feeling lonely you know just the empathy helps with empathy if you mm-hmm. you know like when you've yeah. broken your arm you suddenly you notice all the other people you know i had a, a rotator cuff surgery and you wear a very distinct kind of sling and i so many people came up to me and said oh i had that operation last year <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know and you probably know how to help people <laughs> and probably and when you're pregnant the same thing people mm-hmm. feel very mm-hmm. you know if you feel a connection just because you're Suffering from the same yeah. uh, situation. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. you know, I shouldn't yeah. say suffering, but, ah, being well, pregnant, but it's certainly yeah. a. There's parts of it. Parts of it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Totally. Yeah. Um, that makes me think um, when I think about you, I think about the, the support that you do give uh, a lot of people. Um, um, and I think I'm, I'm recalling 
possibly a conversation um, that a snippet of a conversation that I either stepped into or that we had at some point that was around needing to support the people that you know that are your age. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm curious to know whether or not you feel like that is especially lacking in For, our culture. Um, I don't know. I think I... I'm, I don't, well, I think there is an age bias. I mean, people, and certainly we all as well, you are all young and beautiful, but you know, when you get in your 50s, suddenly you become invisible. Mm-hmm. And um, that's, and I never felt that except then I started to feel it, you know, it's a very strange feeling if you're sitting in a group of people and and you say something you know you're in part of a conversation in, in you know not just participating in a conversation and after three or four turns of the conversation you realize that nobody has listened to what you said mm-hmm. I mean this is with a younger group of people mm-hmm. I just it was like whoa <laughs> mm-hmm. this is weird mm-hmm. <laughs> and um I mean I, I I wasn't, you know, crushed or devastated about it. It just was an interesting, I didn't, it was a, it was a wedding. It was a housewarming for people, younger people. And I really didn't know many people anyway. So they didn't know me, but they also, I was invisible. And Mm -hmm. I just had never had that happen before. So that's, you know. But the thing is, I've always felt here in this community and in really in, in Vermont, that age is people are have friends of different ages is and and I noticed that when we first moved here that it just wasn't such a big deal mm-hmm. to only and I know when we moved from Cambridge, Massachusetts, you know everybody we knew was in a five year window of the same age as we were and the same education and the same life experiences, you know, and mm-hmm. so it was really very liberating. To, meet a different group of you know variety of people we talk about diversity i mean there wasn't a racial diversity but there certainly was age and experience diversity Mm -hmm. that that you could become involved with more easily so that was one of the good things about moving here Mm -hmm. and it seems to be still the case so yeah i I like that Mm -hmm. and as far as support I, I have a group. So friends of mine, uh, well, actually, I didn't know them all very, I knew of them. I didn't know them all. About, there are seven of us, seven or eight of us. And uh, two of these women were talking and said, remember those consciousness, grave, consciousness raising groups we used to have, you know, when we were in our 20s and 30s, when we would complain about our children and our husbands and women's <laughs> rights and, you know, be political, you know, the whole thing. <laughs> we should do that again. We should have a group, but it should be about um, aging and dying, mm-hmm. issues of aging and dying. Mm-hmm. So we've now been, we meet every month at some, you know, rotating houses, and we've been doing it for now seven or eight years. Awesome. And it's, it's wonderful. That's I mean, it's amazing. really become very important. We've all become, I mean, I, I don't see many of these women's accept in that context, but I consider them really close friends because it's a totally honest and safe space mm-hmm. and very, very wonderful, really. Mm, yeah. And and we do talk about issues. And and now most of us are 
either we're all either in our late 70s or early 80s so we are we are aging Mm -hmm. (laughs) and still functioning so so it's a support yeah Yeah. it's a good support yeah thank you for bringing that up I think that was the part of the conversation that I right and so we care for each you know we're supporting for each other yeah Mm. it's it's just the most it just keeps being interesting. Yeah. You know, it's not like you you get to 65 and then it's always the same. No, it just keeps being interesting. Yeah, that's a yeah. choice, I think, too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. Well, an opportunity. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm financially okay, so I'm not limited by that. I mean, mm-hmm. I have a secure home and, and uh, enough to eat and a car. So I'm yeah. pretty free. Mm-hmm. Not everybody has them. Yeah, they have to worry about where they're getting their next meal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's right. So, count our blessings every day. Yes, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's sure. right. Thank you for listening to the Teaching Your Ways podcast with Eleanor, Jesse, and Saturn. This is a labor of love. Wow, what a privilege it is to have you all here on this journey with us, listening and taking your time to join us on this journey we are on. Um, We get to hear fabulous stories from amazing people and your participation, your um, commitment to being here and taking the time out of your day to listen means the world to us. Mm, Yeah. And we would so appreciate if you would take the time to rate us, to give us some stars on Spotify or leave a comment or follow and subscribe to share this podcast with loved ones because we all know with every single time this podcast is shared, it reaches a few more people and that means the world to us. And we just wanna thank you again for your time, for your feedback, for your inspiration and for sitting in a circle with us. This podcast is a living practice, and we are so grateful to have you on this ride with us. Many blessings. Ooh.